0: My name is Dr. Tram Jones. Starting in December 2019, my wife and I lived in Haiti. Recently, given the current insecurity, we are out of the country, but we continue to support and work with our partner clinic, Les Moon with its 53 employees on the ground in the city of Poitibouquet, Haiti. In today's America, we have no patience for the slow current of history. As I say this, we are in the midst of a war in Ukraine. Just one and a half months in, the United States is thirsty to hear an outcome. How can this be taking so long? Or we wonder why Venezuela has not righted itself. It's already been eight years. And yet, history does not work on our schedule. The wealthy Germany that we see today spent nearly a millennium in abject poverty, frequently playing the part of the barbarians attacking the Roman Empire. The Romans must have muttered to each other why, after 500 years, the Germans hadn't gotten things together the Roman Empire in Italy fell in the year 476. For the next 1,300 years, the peninsula of Italy was a mire of war and dissension, each city forming its own government and fighting against all the others. 1,000 years in, I can only imagine the French complaining that Italy was taking forever to develop. Most Americans had only the vaguest idea of Haiti until the devastating 2010 earthquake. Once disaster struck, Americans donated money and stoked a belief that the country would turn around quickly. It can't stay like this, we told each other. Twelve years in, many humanitarian organizations have left the country, demoralized. Americans openly ask each other why Haiti is still the way it is. Twelve years. We Americans have such short attention spans. Haiti has been a country for more than 200 years, and some of these issues go back to the very founding. If we talk to the French twelve years after the fall of Rome, Wondering why Italy hadn't pulled itself up by its bootstraps, they would look at us bewildered. So when we ask why Haiti is poor, let us remember that Haiti existed long before the earthquake. Let us try to look at the whole picture. Today we're going to unpack a painful period in Haiti's history, and look at how it's left Haiti where it is today. Every country has distinct moments where it can go one direction or another. These are the turning points that happen a few times, maybe a century. These might be revolutions or crises or important elections. Following each, there might be decades or sometimes even centuries until the next chance to reinvent itself. Francois Duvalier was born in Port au Prince, Haiti. He went to medical school at the University of Haiti and then traveled to Michigan to study public health for a year. He returned to his native Haiti, traveling the countryside, treating yaws, typhoid, and malaria, earning the moniker. Papadoc. Up until this point, Haiti had been ruled since independence by the lighter-skinned descendants of colonists and blacks in Port-au-Prince. Generation after generation had seen black farmers working in the mountains while the light-skinned wealthy had controlled the city. Papadoc tapped into the anger that this situation caused, launching himself to the presidency in 1957. The world was by no means racially equal in 1957, but it was, for certain, changing. Slavery was all but eliminated in the world. In the same year, Ghana became one of the first African republics to be granted independence. Haiti had finally paid off its crushing freedom debt in 1947. The country was sitting poised to finally make the jump. In the course of the history of nations, as I said, every few decades, there are years, distinct moments that will determine the direction of a country. After these determinative moments, the country will stay along that path without much opportunity for change. And these can be good things, actually. America's emergence as a world power after World War II. Germany finally unifying as a country in 1871. But they can also be very bad. Think about Iran during the 1980 revolution. Or the victory of Mao Zedong over the nationalists in China in the 1940s. Both of those countries are still living with the repercussions. But in all of these moments, there is a man or a woman at the helm. While we generally think of history in terms of trends and forces and not in terms of people... There are moments when a single person can wildly tip the scales. Juan Perón in Argentina set up economic policies in the 1950s. The country is still dealing with inflation because of it. Churchill inspired the British people in World War II, and Europe has never been the same. Into this pivotal moment in their history, the historical dice gave the Haitians Papa Doc. As soon as he had the reins of power, he got to work. He consolidated power and created a famous secret police force, the Tonton Makouts. This paramilitary force went around the country, killing and torturing anyone that could be a threat to the government. Haitians' memories of Papadoc are mixed. As we reckon with this period, we have to understand that. In our history classes in America, we were taught that Papadoc was a brutal dictator. However, go out into the slums, the countryside, and the little villages in Haiti, and ask people what they want from a leader. Contrary to what we expect, At least half of them will tell you that they yearned for the years of Papadoc. They loved the order, the stability. As long as you obeyed the government, there was no fear. I would argue, of course, that the Haitians didn't love Papadoc so much as they hate instability. Today, you can walk out of your door and be kidnapped or shot at any moment. The people prefer a dictator to anarchy. Papadoc provided the one thing that dictators can provide quicker and more effectively than a democracy. He provided absolute stability. And this was no small thing. Haiti had already undergone twenty one coups or revolutions by the time he came to power. But if you see the videos of Haiti from the Papadoc years, it's unrecognizable from today. The streets are clean, there's no crime, there are no violent protests. But this was the extent of the good. Duvalier had two fatal flaws. One, he was excessive in his harshness, and two, he did nothing to advance the country. Once it was stabilized, the Haitian desire for a dictator is not all that surprising to Americans who frequently visit Haiti. So many will tell you that Haiti needs a benevolent dictator. Many Haitians will tell you they don't believe Haiti is ready for democracy. Now me, I'm a good American. I believe that democracy is the best form of government for the United States. And I think it's probably the best for other countries in the world. But it's something that has to be worked up to. The problem with a dictatorship is not actually the good dictators. There is, of course, little difference between the kings and queens of Europe and today's dictators. And in history, there have been good monarchs. Cyrus the Great, Louis XIV, the Sun King, Marcus Aurelius, even Paul Kagame in Rwanda, although certainly not supporting individual liberties, has worked an economic miracle in Rwanda over the past 20 years. A good dictator for 25 years might actually be better than the revolving wheel of power every four years. The problem, of course, is the bad ones. Papadoc quickly demonstrated that he would be one of the evil ones. The stability had a cost. He was a sick man, in all senses of the word. In 1959, he had a heart attack that left him comatose for nine hours, leading many to suspect that he had suffered irreversible brain damage. After this, Duvalier followed a descent into evil. He gleefully took part in torture sessions, even installing a peephole in the torture chambers that would allow him to watch the proceedings. He famously delved into the evil side of Voodoo, requesting the dead bodies of his enemies so that he could commune with them. Over the course of his reign, Duvalier killed an estimated 60,000 dissidents. The excess cruelty was terrible, but just as damaging was what he didn't do. With good dictators and kings in the past, the people traded their liberties for the chance at advancement. Many of us would hope that after 30 years as a dictatorship, The people would be educated, economically sufficient, and united enough to step into a democracy. But Papadoc didn't even try to go that route. Instead of seeking compromise, Duvalier drove out many of the elites and educated of the country, forcing them to immigrate to the United States, Paris, and Canada. He feared education of the masses, because it would be more difficult to control and rule over them. International isolation, one of Haiti's greatest challenges since its independence, never improved. Most countries viewed Papadoc as evil, JFK cutting off all aid to the country. Later, the United States only tepidly accepted him as a bulwark against communism in Cuba. But even so, only one foreign leader, the Emperor of Ethiopia, ever visited Haiti during the Duvalier period. Foreign trade and investment never came. And when you're a mountainous island nation, isolationism is rarely the path to development. Haiti in 1957 was not ready for democracy. people had never been educated. How could they have been? Nearly all tax collections had gone to pay off the freedom debt to France. But after they finally got this off their back and moved on to Papadoc, nothing changed. Duvalier and his son outright stole hundreds of millions of dollars from the country's coffers. This meant that by 1987, in its entire existence as a country, no money that went to the Haitian government had ever really been spent on the country. Most of the population lived in villages and simply wanted to be left alone. The rest wanted stable jobs. Unfortunately, despite 30 years of stability, by the time the Duvaliers left Haiti in 1987, they were no more ready for democracy or self-leadership than they were in 1957. Haiti's literacy rate in the 1980s was an abysmal 34%. Many of the educated had left the country. The economy was the least developed in the hemisphere, and most people still worked in subsistence farming. In the 1950s, Haiti had its first glimmer of hope, its first real chance to develop. The previous 150 years had essentially been a waste, the country struggling against a world that didn't want it there. And in some ways, the 1950s were the roll of a dice. If the dice of destiny had given Haiti a dictator or leader who could have invested in its people, we might have a different Haiti today. History turns on these important moments, but once the decision is made, there's usually no putting the salt back in the shaker for decades. Haiti would wallow in poverty for the next 30 years until a popular uprising would overthrow the Duvalier dynasty. But at that point, the country was uneducated and economically undeveloped. The failure at that point runs directly back to Dr. Duvalier. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we've seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history. And there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets. And we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti, or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.